0: This is Adeptus Podcastus, a podcast devoted to Warmer 40,000 Conquest, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Hosted by Matt, Nate, and Charles. You can reach us on our Facebook page or by emailing us at adeptuspodcastus at gmail.com. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of Adeptus Podcastus. Uh, Joining me this week is both of my co-hosts, Charles and Nate. How's it going, guys? Not too bad, not
1: too bad.
2: And I'm bad. It's a beautiful Florida sunny day.
1: Must you end
0: every episode rubbing the weather that you enjoy down in sunny Florida?
2: Dude, I I just I really need to today because it's like eighty degrees with a nice breeze and no clouds in the sky. It's pretty amazing.
0: All right. Well, here it's cloudy, gray, and kind of ugly looking. <clears throat>
1: Yeah,
0: we have that every day. I live in England, so yeah. <laughs> Alright, so this week we're going to be covering some of the news that's come out recently in regards to uh, some new releases as well as a new preview for the, the next pack in the Warlord cycle. And we're also going to just talk a bit about decks and whatnot now that the game's actually here. And in the lore section, I'll be covering a bit about some of the Warlords that we have uh, to... Uh, fulfill a fan request from our Facebook page. So, getting right into the news. Good news, everyone! The big news, of course, is the fact that the game's now out. Yay! And there's much rejoicing. <laughs> uh, I know I've got cards. Charles, yours are on the way, I believe you said, from Cool Stuff? Or
2: No, actually, my... Uh... We got it from the local store and they actually shipped his shipment to the eye doctor next door, so he won't get them until Monday.
0: Okay.
2: It's
0: highly annoying. Kinda of weird too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Nate you got yours yesterday I believe, right?
1: Yeah, I picked mine up yesterday. Still in that box though. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So I so that I mean that covers pretty much you know three of the the big areas for the game of course the U S the U K and Canada I know up here in Canada we're having some issues with shortages but it seems to be it's mostly a Canadian thing for the most part because it seems to be the distributor up here is uh having some issues getting stocked to all the stores but uh, so everyone kind of got shorted a bit like the store I got mine from I actually reduced my order buy another copy because they want an extra copy to put on the shelf and they still sold out within a matter of hours on Friday. Um, Another store I know of over in Montreal got really screwed. They only got like one copy out of what they ordered. And then a store I'm going to next week in Amherst, Nova Scotia, he got two copies out of his six. So everyone seems to be kind of getting shorted, you know, like 75% of what they actually ordered, it seems. Uh, So hopefully that'll get fixed. I know it can be frustrating because I've seen a few posts where people are kind of frustrated about it, and it reminds me of Netrunner. When Netrunner first came out, I don't know if either of you guys were playing it when it first came out, but it was in short supply for quite a while there. Like They, they did printing after printing just to get enough supply for everyone to get their copies. So it looks like we've got the similar situation here, which as problems go, it's a good problem to have, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's in high, high demand.
1: I don't think it's, to, yeah, it's. I think it's for the um, the people who were sort of on the fringe of playing the game, because uh, most people got their pre-orders. Who you know, said if if like my FLGS, all the people that asked for them got them. But the people that were sort of sat on the fence and um, asked af- afterwards, they maybe have been able to get one or two, uh, and that's it. But you know, if you don't pre pre-order stuff, this is going to happen. So don't be surprised.
0: Yeah. Now I heard from uh, Richard the other day, uh, who you of course are friends with Nate, and he yeah. mentioned that uh, that it, the store you guys shop at uh, actually sold more than he sold his Netrunner core sets when he had his pre-orders, and he sold out yeah. and had to get another order in right away from the national distributor. Both,
1: both uh, our store, which is Patriot Games, and uh, Guys the Game in Stoke, both. Hit their, hit their cap and had to order more in because um, because they had that many, so which is amazing basically. So I think it is all like sort of 48 units each at least I should imagine. So that just tells you how sort of big the game is looking already. I mean at least in the UK. So
0: yeah, he said guys, that game yes uh, sold the most netrunner corsets and sold more than that. And that your guys' local store in Sheffield sold around 30 copies already.
1: Yeah, yeah, easily. So well, I know Eddie posted a picture, which I was disappointed with because he didn't build a fort out of all the ones he had. But he said uh, he posted the picture saying, "I've got these," and ten minutes later, he said they've gone. So wow. yeah,
2: that sounds so amazing. Here it's in South East Florida. It's if you don't play magic, it's so hard to get anything going. I mean, we only—I think only three people pre-ordered the game in all of Fort Myers, Cape Coral area, at least to my knowledge. It's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, here here in the UK, we're kind of blessed because, uh, especially the guys at Stoke, that they they have a really solid base. And games like that, if you know one or two guys pick it up, they all tend to pick it up, and they play from like you know, you, know, you will have the competitive guys, but the casual guys will fill the numbers up and to a, a slightly lesser uh, degree, degree we have that in Sheffield as well where we'll have maybe seven or eight major players and then you know that another eight or so fringe players will sort of casually play it or play it not, not so much and have another game or they might play Magic and play this so it's quite a good line though.
0: Yeah mine somewhere in between the two because like the, the boredom game can be down at Halifax um, they have a really good base for like all the LCGs, and uh, we've got a group where we all kind of chat on Facebook and stuff, so it, most of the people who've bought it so far tend to be people who are already part of the, the LCG crowd, I guess you could say. But I'm hoping maybe we can bring in some people who aren't into the other LCGs maybe and get some new blood in and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's always easier with a new LCG rather than uh, an existing uh, LCG. Like, trying to get new players to come and play Game of Thrones is really difficult because they see the the financial outlay they've got to start with and just go, yeah, maybe I go play Netrunner or, you know, something else that I can get into and not have to remortgage my house to do.
0: (laughs) That sounds like something I said. Sorry, go ahead, Charles.
2: No, I was just say our Game of Thrones group in Southwest Florida is dying. It's oh. it went from twelve people to four people, and now it's like three The last show showing got to their weekly tournaments and stuff. It sucks.
1: Yeah, it's it's. it's I'm I'm kind of uh, there's a lot of us just kind of waiting for the uh, the announcement that's coming in November, which we kind of hope is a rotation or something. But I mean, I'll leave that to another to stuff to do with Thrones, but it, it kind of I hope it points towards what sort of policy um, FFG are going to apply to the other games that when it, got, it starts to die down, do they rotate? Do they just kill the game off like they did uh, uh, Warhammer? Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that Cthulhu seems to have picked up. Uh, it, it seems really weird that they said yeah they're, they're going to do the box sets and that's it, but then they seem to have taken on another um, project manager for it which points to that it's not done yet. So, but we region, We recently had a regional that had more players than Worlds, which is odd. So it seems to be picking up again, and we have, like, a really big upswing, so I don't know.
0: That's the only one I know that no one plays. Like, I only know of, like, two people in all of Nova Scotia even own cards for Cthulhu, and no one really plays it. Uh, it's just not that active a thing. Um... But yeah, it's similar here for the, the Throne stuff, everyone's kind of, those who still play or own anything, which is not very many, because a lot of guys are like, I'm selling my collection now before the announcement, because God only knows what they're going to say and it might make my collection worthless. Uh, but those who are kind of sticking with it are just kind of holding their breath at this point, waiting for the announcement from Worlds to see what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, I feel a bit sorry, I mean, we've got a player who's, in the last sort of year, he's managed to catch up with everything. Now I will actually (laughs) I feel for him because if they say ah now we're rotating it out and he's just spent all that money catching up for them to rotate out I would be pissed. Um, But for the health of the game I kind of hope they do it as well. So.
2: I don't know. I don't think they're gonna rotate out. I mean, like you said, the people that just buy into the game are gonna be really pissed off if they, you know, if for if I just go buy a pack and then the next week I can't use it, you know, I I think more (sighs) than likely they'll a new format like a new tournament format I think that sounds like the most likely idea so people that are only interested in playing this new format of I don't know I guess standard if you will to use Magic the Gathering terminology and then for the full entire play set will be like a legacy edition style I mean I I just can't see them saying thanks for buying all this product Now, now you can't use it uh, and I this goes for all the
1: LCGs, really. I don't know because you you might ostracize one or two from pissing them off from doing that, but then if you're denying twenty new players, but you're only pissing off two, it doesn't take a mathematician to sort of work out what they would rather do. And I know that's a bit of a brutal way to look at it, but you know, there's still a company trying to make money at the end of the day. So
0: all true. <laughs> all right, well, we're kind of getting away from <laughs> well, we're a lot away. Um. So the other news we got was, like I said, the announcement of the uh, the fourth war pack for the Warlord Cycle, and this one is all about Nate's favorite faction of the Orcs. Uh, okay. It's called Zogwart's Curse, and it's got artwork of uh, Zogwart himself holding his weird stick on the, the cover of the pack. Uh, so we'll get right into the cards that we see. Uh, we've got the typical card fan. Really not overly much we can see in this one. We've got a space marine event card uh Astra militarum one cost army unit called talon raiders
1: that artwork is awesome i love that card
0: the talon I raiders
1: it, i don't even care if the cards poor i'll play it just for the card art
0: it's kind of cool looking it looks very like world war Two lawrence of arabia kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. which makes sense <laughs> with the talons <laughs> uh we've got a one cost event for the the tau called tense negotiations uh you can see some of what it says. It just says, action, exhaust your warlord to... Trigger. Trigger, yeah. Maybe that TR, maybe. That might be what it says. Um And then it says, ability at the same planet as your... I don't warlord,
1: know. Warlord,
0: I'm assuming. Yeah, I can't tell if that's a V or a W.
1: I'm assuming Assume it's warlord, because not a lot of stuff refers to stuff other than warlord. It does make it sense, to, yeah.
0: Plus it says, okay. exhaust your warlord to trigger.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome if it is. That's, so, that's such a good card. If 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 it is what I it think is it is. So yeah, that that I hate saying a good card, but that one appears to be so.
2: I agree. It'll be if it is what we think it is, which is the trigger battle ability or something. That'll be a three of in every single tower deck because it's just too good to pass stuff. It
1: yeah.
0: But... It'll be interesting with onchi because it'll let him exhaust without having to leave so he, you could keep the armor being from him turned on for yeah. a little bit longer. So I think he'll be good okay. in that regards. Uh, we've got an army unit for the Eldar, which we can actually see all of. Uh, it's called a Vectored Viper Squad. It's four cost, one command icon, three attack, three hit points. It's loyal. Uh, it's got the typical no war gear attachments because it's a vehicle. And this unit gains mobile while it is undamaged. I don't know if I like that simply because of the wall undamaged text. I, I tend not to like text like that on cards. I just, I don't see
2: any reason to run that over, um, oh man, no, it's just like
1: my brain. The, the, the Viper Squadron?
2: It's, yeah, the, the three cost 1-5 with two command. So why, are you, why are you gonna run this? Unless there's some sort of a LATOX synergy we haven't seen. I don't see any reason to run this over the other flyer, or the other mobile flyers that Tau already have, or not Tau, I'm sorry, Eldar already have.
1: Well, I'd rather run the wild, wild Rider Squadron, because that's a 3-4. I know it hasn't got mobile, but the com- the combat action acts as mobile is probably more useful. Um, so, yeah, yeah I has got an extra hit point and worked well damaged and so on and so on. Uh, I think if it had a, yeah. an extra command icon, maybe that, that stipulation would be fair, but,
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree, because, like you, know, like you said, comparing it to Wild Rider Squadron, or even the Soaring Falcon, Soaring Falcon at least has two command icons. It's only going to hit for one, but it's got five health, and it's a while, too. So. I, don't know. I think that's what we were referring to, yeah. the Soaring Falcon. Yeah,
2: I,
1: I mean, completely I can, agree I, with you. I can see it's... it's but obviously, it's better because it hits for more but doesn't last as long. But usually, your mobile units you want him to use to, to cap planets and then go to where they're needed. Um, whereas, you know, if you're relying on that and somehow they uh, manage to pin him for one through other means during a deploy phase, I'm not, I can't remember top of my head what can do that. But if there is a means to do it, you then scuppers your plans and you, you no longer got that ability to do it. It uh, just, I don't know, feels a little bit weak.
0: Yeah. All right, and the last card is a Nurgle card. It's a disgusting-looking Gleeful Plague Beast. Uh, a Gleeful Plague Beast. That just sounds so wrong. All we can see is that it's a five-cost Demon Nurgle Elite. Uh, it says, well, I would assume that's going to say no War Gear attachments because all I can make out of this is R attachments. And it's got a reaction after the combat phase, some things, and then... AL, so I assume deal one damage to each unit at, I would assume, this planet or something like that. So it seems to be a reaction where it can deal damage to all the units that are at the same planet <laughs> as it. Which makes sense with Nurgle.
1: If you just zoom in and look at the actual uh, card art, the guardsman that seems getting absorbed into the uh, the Plague Beast it looks like he's smiling like a sort of cat smiley face of a guy smiling. He seems happy about it.
0: Uh, I don't know if that's a smile or so much as uh, I'm gleeful. dying <laughs> the, the plague beast definitely looks gleeful
1: oh he looks happy about it I don't
0: it. know everybody that seems to join
2: everybody that seems to join Nurgle and Papa Nurgle all seem pretty happy about it so I don't know maybe he's maybe he's excited to be being eaten by his <laughs> plague beast <laughs>
0: oh, wow oh, <laughs> and moving right along Next, we've got Zogward himself. Old Zogward. He's the warlord in this pack. He's a psyker, odd boy. He has two reactions. First reaction. After this warlord commits to a planet or is declared as an attacker, put a Snotlings token into play at this planet. Forced reaction. After the combat phase ends, destroy each Snotlings token you control. He's uh, one attack, seven hit points, and seven cards, seven resources starting out. And his flavor text is, I meant to do that. If nothing else, this guy seems like a lot of fun.
1: Um, I mean, I won't talk about the fun side, because I don't talk about the fun side of cards. I usually like the, the, the mechanics, the efficiency of cards. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure finding use for the, the Snotland tokens aside from being a Snotland token and just being there. Um, I'm hoping obviously, I mean I haven't looked further into his pack, um, I'm assuming there were some synergies with the actual Snotland in his packs and uh, some sort of uh, action card or so on. But having a 1-1 for the phase, I mean it's probably going to be a free point of damage because not a lot of people are going to shoot it. Um, but it's just the the, the thing of all uh, to destroy each Snotling token you control, not destroy his token at the planet. So if you've you know got top Snotlings uh, somewhere else on different planets, um, they're going to get destroyed as well. Does that not? Yeah, well, it's he's all definitely Snotlings.
2: Be a he's be a yeah. I mean, he's going to be at the first planet probably every time. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. Um, and I mean at least if anything he's a, I mean obviously he's a swarm, that goes without saying, but I mean I know Eldorath is gonna have trouble because Eldorath and the Eldar currently don't really are aren't really equipped to swarm. So I mean But like I said, he just seems kinda weak.
0: Charles we kinda lost you there for a second, so I'm not <laughs> sure we heard everything you were trying to say. Oh, sorry.
2: That's okay. Um, what did you miss? Whatever you yeah, said before,
1: I think <laughs> he
0: seems kind of weak.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I, I was saying that he... Uh, well, now I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I was saying that at least, if anything, he'll give Eldorath some trouble because the Eldar aren't really equipped to deal with swarms and that was about
0: it yeah that's true Cause their know, because their board wipe is uh... hitting the HQ
1: but how many times is he going to honestly get to uh... fire his action off before you do enough damage to make him retreat he's going to make one when comes in maybe strike once maybe twice you know how many times is he going to get to trigger his ability before you can force him to leave uh, And and not hit him with uh... an uh, avengers and um uh, you know, exhaust him before they get a chance to strike with him and so on and so on. I, I don't think Elder will struggle that much because they can either control him or just do enough damage so he basically goes away before he becomes a problem. And then, you yeah, know, if, if he stays in your bloody him, you know, problem solved as well. So I don't think they'll struggle with him too much.
0: Silverblade Avengers don't work on him anyway because Silverblade they only affect a non warlord unit. So oh, is it not? Uh, but it's a good
1: thought. You, yeah, you know, you get money on Oh, yeah, you I get. get out yeah. Of
0: I think his biggest vulnerability is going to be AoE, of course, because if you've got a swarm of tokens, if they AoE you, then you're, you know, there goes your swarm. Um,
1: the but, thing is, if you're, if you're forcing them to play the AoE on his tokens, they're not AoEing other units, which you've actually played cards for.
0: Well, AoE would affect everything on the planet, so if it's, yeah, it's a sword plus a bunch of you, tokens, there goes pretty much his entire battle plan.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you can force him into that and lay units at other planets, uh, you know, you, you've made him, you've drawn out an AOE for no reason, really. So, yeah, that's true. All right, so let's yeah, move I on. Yeah, oh, oh, Sorry, Charles. Oh, no worries.
2: It's I I agree with what you're saying because it's like priorities. I mean, if you have five tokens out and you have three big guys, those five tokens are still gonna whop you for five damage. So, I mean, you gotta pick and choose who you're gonna attack. I
1: I
0: agree with you, Nate. Yeah. Alright, so... His army (laughs) unit is Zogwart's Runturters. They're a three-cost army unit with one command icon, also one attack, and three hit points. They're also an odd boy. Interrupt. When this unit takes damage. put a Snotlings token into play at this planet. So, more ways to generate Snotlings. Give him a HP boost from a card like... Uh... What I'm thinking, a rune encrusted armor. You can generate a bunch more tokens.
1: Um, yeah, they're, they're an okay signature unit. I think uh, if you're playing for that whole, you know, I'm gonna mass an army of snotlings Um, again, I don't like that if they're on a separate if they're on a separate planet and you manage to get a battle there and they survive and you made uh, two tokens and then you do a separate battle where your warlord is and then in the turn they've wiped all the work that these have done off the table you can't keep applying that pressure so it kind of renders his uh, ability not as uh, as, uh, potent as it were so...
2: Yeah, I would like him a lot better if they were at 3 cost I think it's kind of steep especially with the orcs who have trouble with command struggle anyway
1: um, I, I would argue. I mean, you are getting free stuff, and now you know when they take damage, you get a free unit. That's fine. However, the ability to take out him in one hit, you know, do three damage, and you've put you basically overpaid for a one for a unit that didn't do a great deal. <laughs> you know, uh, that I can see where that would be a problem as well. So I can see where it can be both under and over overcasted. So I, I think it's about right.
0: Okay. So next we've got his support card. Um, I'm not sure how many copies this we get. It's called Zogward's Hovel. Uh, it's a two cost support. Its reaction is after your warlord is declared as a defender, put a snotlings token into play at the same planet as your warlord. I'm sensing a theme here. Call me crazy. But I think it's snotlings. Everyone thinks I'm I'm crazy.
1: <laughs> um when, you may forgive me, I haven't played for a while, so as a defender, when is he deemed to be a defender?
0: Whenever your opponent attacks you.
1: Right, okay, okay.
0: So this kinda of punishes you so for hitting Zogwart himself.
2: this would so the snatling would come out prior to damage is dealt, correct? Right,
0: right because because he's chosen it's, as a defender. It's declare attacker, declare defender and then go through the whole damage stealing process.
2: So, I mean, um, this would be good. You could, you're could you chosen as a defender. You get a Snotling's out. You it, and you essentially just got a free Snotling for nothing, for no damage cost. And I can see that. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's about on par with the other um, command uh locations, you know, it, it has synergy with his part it does what you want it to do, it spews out more dudes. Um and works as well, uh when your warlord is bloodied so you can still carry on at least uh making snotlings so it gives you a little bit of um if your warlord's blooded you can still carry on with your plan at least a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean the the best thing about this card I think is the, the artwork. <laughs> I really like the artwork on this card. I I think that's every treehouse whatever
0: boy one when he was about six seven years old so yeah I I really like the art too and (laughs) it looks very appropriate for an odd boy because they tend to live away from the rest of the orcs so they're not absorbing all the psychic energy and stuff (laughs) alright so next we've got uh, the attachment Uh, It's pretty normal attachment except this one costs zero it's got three shield icons Uh, it's the weird boy stick war gear weapon attached to an odd boy unit does not specify army or warlord or anything like that, so that's good. Reaction after a Snotlings token is destroyed, exhaust this attachment to put a Snotlings token into play at a planet.
1: Yeah, that's quite good. So, um, when his, his force reaction goes off, you could. Well, the, when does his force reaction actually trigger? Just wondering if you can save one of his Snotlings or create another one in, uh, in reaction to that. When does it actually go off? After on combat phase ends. Yeah, so you can technically save another one. So, yeah, pretty yeah, good I wouldn't have
0: thought of that, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just if you want to carry one into the next turn, basically. Do his force reaction, then do this force reaction.
0: Yeah, see, I was thinking of using it during battle and whatnot, but, yeah, that, that could be a valid use as well. Uh, I mean, <clears> free, <throat> it's free, so I've got no complaints about it in regards to that. Uh, you know, it's pretty normal signature squad attachment. The three shield icons is often tempting, I find, when I've got one sitting in my hand.
1: yeah.
2: I think more often that, that's what a lot of those attachments get used for. So more This is kind of underwhelming when you compare it to some of the others, like Tempest Blade and such. I mean, just you're just getting a Snotling out for free, I guess. Again, which is good. Free stuff is always good. But I mean, it's just going to be blown up the next round. I don't know. Maybe there's more tech that we're not seeing yet that might make this a lot more competitive?
0: Well, the next card certainly helps with Snotlings. Uh, It's Launch the Snots 1 cost event. Reaction. After an orc unit you control declares an attacker, it gets plus X attack for that attack. X is the number of Snotling tokens at the same planet as the attacking unit. So, depending on how many Snotlings you got sitting there, you could be punching for pretty good, and I mean, there's a lot of pretty big beefy orcs already give them an extra two or three attack and you know, all of a sudden you're crushing a warlord and they can't even shield it all. Yeah, that's very true.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a strong card, definitely. Uh, especially if your deck's doing what it's meant to be doing, which is spearing out Snotlings. Um, I mean, the same planet is a bit of a... a bit of Oh, well, obviously, I think it needed to be in there because if you've got ten Snotlings spread across planets and suddenly you can punch in for an extra ten... That could be yeah. Uh, that could be painful. Um, yeah, definitely applies into what the pods wanting to do. So uh, really a really solid card at one cost as well is really, really good. Um, I think. Right, uh, I
2: think my, I think my favorite part about this though is the artwork. Because if you look, <laughs> one of the snouts is getting sucked into a pipe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see it's yeah. taking his pants first, so you get a little taste of snotling butt crack. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the whole card. Oh my god,
0: I never even noticed that before, but you're right.
2: He's huh. some snotling booty.
0: That's kind of funny. And the others are all kind of running away okay. saying, get me out of here.
2: See, I'd like to make a playmat of just that snotling and his butt crack coming up. So my opponent just has to look at his butt the whole game.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll have to see if you can find his artwork somewhere. Uh,
2: Alright. Dude, you can make a custom one somewhere.
1: Uh, I can probably make that happen. Yep, okay, so I think that's all the
0: previews. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing else here. So, overall, I don't know, I think he's kind of interesting. Like I said, nothing else, I think he'll be fun. And sometimes, you know what, that's why we play games. It's not always about the competition.
1: Yeah, this sort of warlord is a sort of warlord that everyone sort of it's cool, he's cute, he's funny, maybe I'll have a couple of games with him, a couple of casual games, and then punt him one side, and then someone someday, four or five months down the line, will go, I can really break this crap, and come, turn into a tournament, stomp home, and go, it's not so funny anymore. That That's the sort of, the sort of warlord he is, I think.
0: Yeah, if there's something that somehow can buff Snotlings, which I can't think of any cards in the core set, but we might... Battlecry, that's true, Battlecry would be... Battlecry is pretty much an obvious choice with this guy, having all those snotlings, but other than that, I can't think of any specifically snotlings thing, but that doesn't mean we won't get some during the Warlord cycle to go with Zogwart and all this stuff, we just haven't seen any of them yet. You know, something that gives them, you know, plus one, plus one, or something like that. Not that the extra HP really matters for something that's going to die at the end of the turn anyway. (laughs) mm hmm all right, so that pack—it looks like it's coming out in January, but it says first quarter two thousand fifteen for this one. So, Charles, you were saying something at the end?
2: No, I was gonna say that you could—I can could see some synergy with Daka 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 that was—that um, was spoiled a couple weeks back. I think with the Ragnar pack where you can use that to produce more Snotlings using the Runt Herders, and then when Zogwort comes in, you get another one, and then you can use Snotlings attack, and then by that time, I, I did the math on DB, where it's, bri- prior to combat even starting, you'd have seven Snotlings in play. So I think, I don't know, I, I think it could be kind of strong, like, it's, like you said though, you just have to see what else is going to come out. It's kind of like the ethereal thing, it's like we don't really know yet.
1: I th- I think there'll be some interesting plays where you can get to a critical mass on a planet where you can maybe, sh- you know, if you've had the, the the stick on him and you've knocked out eight tokens and he's already you know he's on, if I get to a point where he's on six damage, I'll I'll try and find a way to deal him one damage so his force reaction doesn't take over and I get to keep those snotlings. I know, yeah, you've bloodied your warlord, but you've gained you know a lot of tokens. And then if you can get like a war off next turn and you've got all these tokens, just sort of smash. It's really difficult if they don't have area of effect to deal with. They can just keep smashing the opponent in the face and that would be difficult to deal with.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, this deck's biggest Achilles heel, so to speak, is going to be anything with AoE. Pretty much, will shut this down, unless you can find a way to give them some extra hit points so they can survive it. Uh... Daka 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 was actually previewed in the second pack's card fan. And it's a deployment action. Exhaust your warlord to deal one damage to each unit. So yeah, it's a two-cost event, so... You'd have to save for it, but you're right there, Charles. You could use that if you've got a bunch of his uh, Runt Herders deployed already. Use that. They all take damage. And then also you've got a bunch more Snarlings already sitting there. It's got potential. But I think it's like you said, Nate, yep. somebody's going to bring a deck with this and just be like, Yeah, look at my horde of snotlings and, you know, whoosh. And then you're just sitting there kind of like, <laughs> uh...
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright, anybody else got anything you want to say about the previews? Uh, no, not
2: really. No, I think we covered it all.
0: I don't believe we got any other news to cover as well. That was pretty much it. It's just the actual release of the game, of course, which is exciting. And then we've got this new pack that just got previewed. Um, I don't believe we mentioned it previously, though, but we did get recently... uh, We saw the schedule for Worlds. So for anyone that's going, that is available online now, so you can kind of plan your weekend around what's all going on. Uh, other than that the only 40k conquest stuff we got was we got a brief uh, article on ffg from jeremy zorn uh just kind of discussing the same thing we kind of talked about when he was on the show in regards to the uh the world eater tournament and stuff all right so next we'll move into talking about cards and strategy and stuff all right so nate i know you said you haven't played really recently and you just got your actual cards yesterday so yeah, you probably haven't yeah. been- too much time to do stuff. Um, <laughs> we played a bunch here Friday night. Some of the uh, two of the guys from Halifax came up, and my buddy Ben came over, and uh, they'd all bought two corsets, and Jeff brought me my third. So, and then uh, I got one from my buddy Dwayne as well. So it's like I, I said somewhere I was like I got ten corsets in the house right now, <laughs> so it was a little crazy. Uh, we we played. Uh, I think it was like five hours. Like it wasn't till like midnight when they were all. Heading out back down to Halifax, and I was like, I'm so tired. I have to go to bed because at this point I've been awake for 18 hours. And uh, so we had a good time though. We we played lots of games. Uh, Mark was here. He'd never played before, so we were also kind of teaching him to play at the same time, just kind of showing him things. We we pretty much stuck to mostly just like the starter decks. Uh, we did build a couple custom decks, but they were real quick. Like you know, just jam these two factions together and play because we we're just we we're basically just trying to get as many games in as possible without worrying too much about super awesome decks or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time. It was lots of fun being able to play with uh, real cards in hand stuff like that. Uh, I've, I've not really built a, again, real deck in quotations yet because I've got everything kind of stuck at decks right now because um, on Tuesday I'm heading over to uh, a store over in Amherst that's run by a, a guy I used to live with actually and uh, we're going to be doing demos for 40k there. So I'm kind of leaving anything in Stardex for a while. Uh, it's the only reason I kind of wish I had gotten my fourth corset was so I could have one that I can basically leave as Stardex and then build my decks out of the other ones. But I figure Stardex would be good for a little while just to kind of help show people the game and whatnot. Charles, you're still playing on Octagon, I assume, quite a bit? Oh yeah, I play all the time.
2: Um, I haven't gotten any physical games in yet, okay. obviously, because my... Corset is that an eye doctor. Who's using your cards right um, now. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <still in> <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing that I thought was really, really interesting is the re or I shouldn't say reemergence. I like, it's funny how I'm talking about this. Like, this game has been out forever, and it was really just released on Friday. Um, but uh, which was the deck that I've seen a lot more of that previously was thought to be kind of weak, was Nasdrag and the Orcs. Um, And I think it is in large part due to um, the people finding out that Teleporta pad is really awesome. And it just changes the whole deck when you're running three Teleporta pads. I really think Teleporta is probably a three of in in, uh, Orc right now. Because it makes it so that you don't have to fear... For your command struggles, you can just place your orcs, you know, anywhere you please to pull them back. You can command snipe with Nazdrag to pull them into planet one. Um, You don't even have to fear for Archon's Terra because you can bring them right back into planet one with with teleporter pad. It's pretty awesome. And it's kind of cool to see what once, at one point people thought was kind of weak because they had struggles with command to now becoming in my eyes, like, one of the strongest decks that I've seen so far. I've seen it beat Eldorath, who seems to be reigning supreme on Octagon so far because he's so frustrating. Um, I've seen it crush Kato, and the Tau can't keep up with it either, from what I've seen. It's it's pretty wild. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out now that people had the physical game and will be playing more and more and more, because they seem really strong right now.
0: Yeah, I used uh teleportapad pad to good effect uh a game i played against uh jonathan he's over in ontario we played over skype uh using our cameras and whatnot and just kind of mirroring each other's decks and i can't remember who it was i had a unit that was like all the way back at the fifth planet just to get the command but then i used the teleporta pad got that guy up to the the first planet or whatever and ended up i can't remember how i won i can't remember if i won by planet or or kill or whatever but yeah teleporter pad is really good like you said it just kind of lets you move your units around as you need them where you need them so i think it's good in that regard um it's interesting to hear a lot of the discussion either on facebook or the forums whatnot about or you know even from you about octagon and stuff because it seems like every day i hear you know oh this deck's reading supreme and then it changes again so i think it's a sign of a in my opinion probably the best core set FFG's done to date and how well balanced everything seems because it doesn't seem like anything's kinda like OMG this is so overpowered this is broke I hate this game I'm flipping to my table I haven't heard any of that yet uh, so I think that's a good sign
1: <clears throat> I don't I don't think a, a meta a meta game has been formed yet because not enough people have had access to cards Not everyone plays an Octagon so I don't think there's a stable um, Deck choice, deck count, uh, sort of rock paper scissors system going off, or anything like that. So there's a lot of experimentation, you know, what 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 matchups are poor, what matchups are good, um, in that regard. So I mean, you know, you can play something like Eldar against Orcs and get stamped, and then play Eldar against Space Marines and stamp them, and you think, oh, you know, is it a poor deck build? Is he a better player than me? But you made it. to just be a case of they are a bad up or poor match until the, the community gets to learn that. I, I, I don't think you know you are going to have some games that are yeah. You know, God, I shouldn't have won that. I shouldn't have lost that. You're going to get that. So I think once a, a couple of months in and the and the, the is a bit more stable and certain builds are not given as standards but given as um uh you know that that's the the give the, the, um, the build that's most common. Do you know what I mean? So. If it's a recognised build. I think then that people will enjoy it more as well because they say, "Oh, you know, I can just build my, my my typical Space Marine deck or my typical uh, Orc deck and so on, so Yeah,
2: yeah I mean the octagon is—it's the, the octagon environment is very fun. That is very true. Um, it is very confined to those that really play, because there's a lot of players that just don't even want to play Octagon at all. Um, they just don't want to. Even though they could play the game more often than they do, they just don't want to play it on Octagon. Um, so you are right, it is very confined. I wouldn't really call it a meta, per se. Um, but from what I'm seeing, anyway, Eldar, and I think, Nate, you called it, I can't remember her. Maybe Matt, you did too, but Eldar are so strong. Eldarath just makes me want to just strangle someone. He's so frustrating to play against.
1: Yeah, when I, when I first saw them, I think it was one of the the pod, when podcast when we covered down, I said people are going to jump on uh Space Marines and Chaos, and I said yeah, the instant gratification of just going, oh, kill all your dudes and wipe all your board, and and then when you you look into the costs of doing that, and sometimes you know, especially against Eldar, when you go. Oh, I'll uh, warp storm and you go. Oh, I'll nullify that. No, you won't. And then proceed to just, I'm um, say kneel and uh, exhaust his board, and just keep doing that repeatedly. And when the soft control isn't is enough, and you've got enough card draw to keep your soft control up, and keep uh, exhausting people and, and and annoying them. And you all you have to do is pick your battles and. It, you don't have to have that many cards. You have to control everything. You just have to control enough to win the game, and and uh, that's that uh, looks like what's what's happening so far. So.
2: Well, what's interesting about it is that it's it's almost not even the exhausting of Eldorath that makes them so strong. It's the choke, because you run, you have Beltan Guardians. I think it's Beltan Guardians anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, It's one cost, two command icons. Then you have your Eldar Survivalist that gives you plus one, plus one to your resources. That's only two cost. And then you can pull in from Tau the Vashia Trailblazers, which is um, two cost mobile, two command. So not only are they hitting you with all of these really cheap two command icon units, they also have superiority to just strip you from it in case you beat them anyway. So if, if you let them get going as, a, as to dominate the command struggle, you know, turn one or two, you're just, you're going to have a bad time, because they will just choke you out, and the advantage is just so, so wildly strong.
1: And yeah, then that sort of meta where if, if that was the, the deck that was sort of, like you say, the, dominating the meta, maybe going to something like a guard deck that can spam out units equally as much, maybe do a little bit better in the command phase as well, and then, you know, push them back and give them something to think about as well that a guard are hard to control because you're spamming out units. They, they give the buff to the units as well. Uh, so if if you if you exhaust one unit, they get they buff another unit and hit you for more on the other unit. And they they can deal with Eldar with their command type, uh, their command pits as well.
2: Yeah, that's why I was saying Zogwart is going to be strong against Eldaroth because he uh, he he just can't deal with that that mass amount of people or units snotlings
0: or whatever. <laughs> he he can't, <laughs> can't really do
1: that. He snotlings of people too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I agree in that Zogwart will trouble with Eldrath. Or Eldor- rather the other way around. Eldrath will trouble with Zogwart because Zogwort will be spamming out a lot of units but a lot of those units are going to be snotlings which are just going to go away anyway. The board wipe that Eldrath depends on only affects the units at the HQ. But on the flip side of that, he has the advantage of being able to ally with the Tau. The Tau have a decent amount of AOE stuff that they can bring over and then use that. So I can see it going multiple different ways. It's really going to depend on your matchups and your your local meta, which I think are, you know, I don't think anyone's got an established meta as of yet. You know, because it's like you guys said, we just got the cards officially two days ago, so it's hard for anyone to say, oh, our meta is you know doing this, this, and this, and this is dominating. Well, sure, that's this week, but what about next week when people start to experiment with something else? Like, I've been hearing a lot of talk about Space Marines and Tau, still. Apparently, that's what, uh, that one at, uh, the FFG Event Center on Wednesday, they had a tournament there, because they released the game on Wednesday, the actual physical product, and the top two, or two out of the top four, or whatever, were playing Space Marines with Tau. But that also comes down to the fact that Space Marines are the most popular faction. So they're going to be the ones that see the most play. Uh, I'm just looking to see the message I got about that tournament. So there's 25 people, two Space Marine decks split in the finals. Okay, it doesn't mention Tau, sorry, I just assumed. And there was lots of Space Marines, and there was also one Orc deck in the top four. So there's two Space Marine decks and an Orc deck in the top four out of 25 people. which is pretty good for you know, an opening night tournament, 25 people.
1: I think people are playing Space Marines um, just because of Eager Recruit. Just because of the powerhouse that Eager Recruit
0: is. It's all because of you, Nate. You, you <laughs> made the card so popular that people are now strictly playing it because Nate said so. That's why what, what I'm going to call my Space Marine deck, Nate said so. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually in, the, in the process of trying to get a play mat of Eager Recruit, made. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome.
0: That would be kind of cool. It's got dynamic enough art, I think, that it would probably work.
1: I, I, th- I think uh, space marines again, they, they, could answer this, this choke effect that Eldar can put on because, you know, you've got that the generation resources, uh, his signature squad can, can pull those. Oh well, we're going to need to pull those, um, the uh, survivalists. Pull the survivors across and deal with them that way, or get even if even if they don't kill them, get them off the planet that you're trying to control, and and so on and so on. So, uh, I I think Space Marines are probably the best tech to sort of deal with that sort of situation. I think.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, Until Daka 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 comes out and they can just wipe every capping unit off of the board,
1: (laughs) until then. But I mean, like I say, once the matter settles down and people know what the, the, the rough deck builds are and, and and what the reach of that deck can do, can, can he um, can he cap all the planets on the first? Turn? Can he um, you know capture the first three planets without with minimal resources? Or when, when people figure this out, people will be able to play around or build decks, you know, according to what they need to do to strengthen or strengthen matchups or so on.
0: Yeah, I, like we've said a couple of times I think already, things are very much in flux right now. And I think that's what yeah. we can see based on what people are saying, you know, things are changing constantly. So, I don't think anything's been established yet, and with, you know, the Hollow of are already on the way, the, you know, the, the course at Meta's only going to last for a few weeks at uh, most, depending on when that actually starts shipping to stores, it's already been on the boat for a couple of weeks, so we could see that by the beginning of November. Which I'm hoping is true, because that'll uh, mix up things a bit for um, worlds in November. Because you know, Steve Horvath said in an interview he did that he, they were hoping to have the first War Pack out in time for worlds, and you know, they just might be able to actually make that promise, which would be pretty cool to see a new pack come out. Uh, hopefully, it's out in time to give everybody a chance to kind of get it and play with it.
1: Um. Yeah, who who gets the warlords out of that pack?
0: that's, space, that's the one that has the space walls right near Black Me.
1: Right, okay. So I'm not I'm not a ma- usually a massive fan of uh when they do that, so um one faction tends to get a, a little bit of an advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I know other factions will get other cards, but I think in in such a small uh card pool at the minute, having an extra warlord is is, is a little yeah, it's more than that, it's just a few cards, so... I could be wrong, but...
0: Yeah, I... I no, I think... I Oh, sorry, man, no, go ahead. I, I kind of see what you're trying to say, Nate, because I don't think it's as big an advantage as it might seem as well because of the fact that, sure, he's getting his signature squad and stuff, but that's really all you're getting. Like, there's there's going to be other cards that provide pieces of the Space Wolves deck, and I don't know necessarily having, you know, the new Warlord Mean and then mostly using course stuff will be able to make the deck function the way it necessarily will once we're further into the warlord cycle so it might not even be an advantage to have a new warlord to choose from because you know, everybody will be like oh I want to try the new guy but then the deck might not work, function that well because like I said there's other cards that we're going to get throughout the cycle that will fill in that deck archetype so I don't know
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that's assuming they even make it legal. Like it might be for sale at Worlds. You know, Oh, thanks for coming guys. Here, you get early access to this pack. You know, it doesn't come out for a week or two for everybody else yet. So, you know, here, take it home and rub it into all your friends. Or, <laughs> if it comes out early enough, they can they could then say, okay, you, know, you guys have like two, three, let's say, weeks to get ready, the pack will be legal. So, kind of depends. Plus, we don't even know what the tournament rules are yet, so we don't even know how the format's going to be. You know, is it best of one, best of three? I don't know, best of five. I can't see that happening. But I'm just speaking hypothetically. Um, so hopefully we get the tournament rules soon, uh, where we're down to. Uh, well, I think we're down to now a month till world, so we're pretty close to it. So hopefully they get the tournament rules out soon, so they can kind of start planning their decks and how they want to play them and stuff for being able to win their matches.
1: Yeah, hopefully they get the uh, the rules in place so people can start, you know, at least practicing the format and you know, how they're going to play the game. That would be ideal. At least then you can get some local tournaments and you know practice how you need to be practicing.
0: Charles, any last minute thoughts you want to say before we move on?
2: Um, no, man, I'm good. I think we covered it all. You you pretty much said exactly what I was about to
0: say. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, we've already gone on for a little while, but I'm going to real quickly jump into the, the Know Your Lore segment of the show. Stay a while and listen. Okay, guys, so I'm going to try and keep this week's lore section a little bit shorter. Um, we did lose Charles there at the end of... The previous session his little one woke up so he had to. so this week on the know your Love segment what I'm going to do is we're just going to try and cover some of the warlords and um, a little bit about their fluff and stuff like that so I'm going to put a huge spoiler alert on this entire section if you don't want any spoilers that might ruin any of the novels or fluff in the codexes and stuff like that for you I'd probably stop listening now um, So, if you're still listening, uh, like I said, I'm going to cover some of the Warlords. This week I'm going to cover uh, four of them, and then next episode I'll cover the remaining three. Um, The first Warlords I'm going to cover are going to be Packmaster Kith and Xerathur, the Chaos Warlord. Uh, These two are by far the easiest because they previously do not exist in any of the Games Workshop setting. Um, Packmaster Kith has nothing whatsoever on her um she's just a character most likely created for this game it's possible she's in one of the ffg rpgs i don't unfortunately have access to all those games and books so i can't say for certain if she's in any of those that's maybe a a villain or something for the player characters but uh other than that she's not in the fluff and stuff for the actual forty thousand setting it um she's strictly just a character here um she is a pack master as we know which means she's part of the uh which cults that the Dark Elder have, so that's all I can really say about her, unfortunately. Zarathur is in a similar position in that he does not exist in anything else that I'm aware of. Like I said, he he as well could be part of the RPG um, that Effigy creates. They have quite a few of them, so he could be somewhere in there. Other than that, all we know is that he's a High Sorcerer of Chaos. Most likely where, by the look of his armor, as well as the fact that he's a Zinx Chaos High Sorcerer, I suspect he's... part of the Thousand Sons legion. It's possible he's part of a different legion. Other legions do of course have sorcerers, but uh, the Thousand Sons are known for being the most devout towards Zinjit himself. The Eldar warlord, Elderas Starbane, we don't know too much about him, but he does exist as a somewhat minor character in the lore. Um, he's a Farseer from Alatok, He's known for uh, a couple of battles against the Necrons, uh, both of which unfortunately he failed at, and he has a particular hatred for what's called the Satech dynasty of the Necrons. Um, the Necrons are divided into various different dynasties. They're very much like Egyptian dynasties from ancient Egypt, stuff like that, of course, because you know that's, of course, what they're based on. Um, he's got a somewhat bad reputation because of his failure, and he's got a pretty big hatred for them, and he wants to get revenge, particularly on Imotech was the leader of the Sawtak dynasty. The last warlord I'm going to cover this week, uh, we know quite a bit more about him. That's Captain Cato Secarius himself. Cato is the captain of the second company of the Ultramarines. Uh, this is, of course, the second most important of the companies. Therefore, its uh, captain has the second most of the responsibilities. Um, Cato was... Born and raised on the planet of Talazar, which is one of the planets of Ultramar. He's part of the Ducal family of that particular planet, so he was very well off. Um, He was raised from birth as a warrior. He took to it very, very well. He was fighting and and practicing and training it from a very young age, so it was no real surprise when he ended up becoming an ultramarine. Uh, As part of the Ultramarine chapter, he rose very quickly, uh, becoming a sergeant, and ultimately captain, like I said, of the second company. Prior to becoming captain of the second company, he was a company champion for two of the other companies uh, during his time. Uh, what the company champion does, basically, he's he's the champion for that company's captain. So, you know, there's like a challenge towards them or something. Kata would go on as their proxy to fight for them in that particular challenge. Um, he excelled at this particular role, of course, uh, having been. Very well trained throughout the years. Um, he's got quite a few different roles in his uh, title as the captain of the second company. He's the Master of the Watch, Knight Champion of McCrag, Grand Duke of Talazar, and High Zuzeran of Ultramar. Um, he's also suspected that he will be, ultimately, whenever the storyline hopefully moves forwards for of 40,000, that he could be the one that replaces Mournius Kalgar, the current chapter master of the Ultramarines, uh, when Marnius does die, which, I mean, it's going to happen eventually, not even space marines live forever. Um, with his responsibilities there, like I said, like the one that I mentioned, uh, Master of the Watch, he's responsible for the protection of Ultramar of the Realm, so he helps to coordinate the various planetary defense forces and everything else with, in Ultramar, as well as the surrounding systems. Um, as Knight Champion of McCrag he is the champion for Marnius Calgar himself. So if a challenge is done towards Marnius, it is then Cato's job to uh, fulfill that challenge and fight in that challenge. Most of the challenges are, of course, trials by combat. Um, one in particular that I read about, uh, he ended up accepting a challenge from an Inquisitor who was accusing the chief librarian of the Ultramarines chapter of being a warp-tainted sorcerer worshiping of chaos and you know various other uh slanderous claims and whatnot so uh they he issued a challenge towards the ultramarines uh, of course cato accepted uh, and the uh, inquisitor he also had a champion uh, his champion was a bioengineered biomechanical gladiator created by the adeptus mechanicus uh, and uh it was all full of pumped of stims and various upgrades and whatnot uh Cato essentially ended up winning this duel by wearing out his opponent he danced around him jabbed him once in a while he actually used his fist to simply punch it using his sword to keep the the creature at bay until it wore out and ran out of its uh combat drugs and stuff like that and ended up collapsing uh this is to say did not go overly well with the inquisitor uh, the Inquisitor then got right up in Cato's face and called him a few choice words and then put his hand inside his jacket to pull out a pistol. Cato, seeing this movement, ended up cutting off the Inquisitor's hand who was then promptly taken away by his inquisitorial retinue and told, and, in no uncertain turns, don't come back ever again. Uh, that kind of shows you, you know, the kind of character that Cato is made up of. Uh, he's known for quite a few battles. Uh, one in particular, there's the assault on Blackreach. This was actually the focus of one of the uh more than forty thousand boxes that was created for the miniature game itself, and which he ended up defeating a uh, an orc wog for the war boss Zanzag. Uh he, he, his reputation suffered somewhat in this particular battle, simply because the tactics and the way he fought it uh ended up costing quite a few lives. They did end up defeating a horde of ten thousand orcs, so you know. They, they did quite well, but like I said, his tactics seemed a little over the top to some of the others within the chapter. Um, he's also known for, uh, well, two battles ultimately on the planet that's called Damnos. Um, Damnos was a uh, mining world for the Imperium that was also a Necron world. So when the Necrons on that planet awakened, uh, the second company was the Ultramarines chapter that went in to defeat them. Uh, unfortunately, they were... Not entirely able to defeat them, uh, Cato himself was severely wounded and ended up having to be taken away. The uh, the world itself ended up falling and becoming uh, a Necron tomb world. Uh, the The whole incident became known as the Damnos incident. Uh, it definitely shadowed Sekaris' career. It was it wasn't for 25 years until he got to come back. But after this battle, he basically. He was obsessed with it, like his his failure kind of weighed him down and stuff like that um he did ultimately like i say come end up coming back Because um, what happened was once the the high council of terror, which is or the high lords of terror, found out about this incident, they ordered the Ultramarines to go back and fix it. you could say so. They ended up sending, I believe, half of the Ultramarine's chapter went, including the Chapter Master Mornis, Kalgar. Of course, Cato went with them. He was quite happy to be able to go back and kind of try and redeem himself. And uh, they were also helped by a, a squad of the Death Watch. Um, the Death Watch is a specialized group of Space Marines who fight under the the wing of the Inquisitorial Order called the Ordo Xenos. The Ordo Xenos is responsible for... Aliens and stuff like that so they're they're pros at killing the various alien races that the the Inquisition fights against so While there there was of course, you know epic battle I'm not gonna go into too much detail about the battle and stuff like that, but they did ultimately end up winning by uh, Cato used a a specialized grenade or a weapon Actually, I think it might have been Marnus Calgar now. I think about yeah, Marnus Calgar used one of the Necron's own weapons to free uh, they're called the Satan. They're a, a very, very old race of star gods who the Necrons imprisoned and kind of used uh, for various things. The Satan was freed. Needs to say, since he's now freed from millennia of captivity, millions of years of captivity, really, he was not too happy with the Necrons, so he ended up attacking the Necrons as well as the Ultramarines. Ultimately, Cato himself was able to get rid of the Satan by throwing what's called a vortex grenade at him vortex grenade opens a hole to the warp and sucks everything into it and then closes it up behind it so he got rid of satan that way with the death of satan and the death of the necron overlord who had been killed by satan after it was freed um, the imperial forces there which was like i said the Ultramarines as well some imperial guard forces that had fought with cato previously who came back for revenge as well they were able to cleanse the world of all the necrons and allow the people who they'd evacuated having been there last time during the Damnos Incident to return. So, you know, it kind of cleansed uh, Cato's honor and stuff like that. So so that is a very succinct little thing about Cato and his history and stuff like that. If you want more information on any of these characters of course you can always check the Lexicanum or the Warhammer 40,000 wiki. As well as a couple of novels. Um, for Cato here, the novels you probably want to read are look at the Assault on Blackreach as well as a novel called The Fall of Damnos, which, of course, deals with the Damnos incident itself. Nate, do you have any closing thoughts? I know you're probably busy right now opening your cars or something.
1: Um, no, uh, although I will probably just do something for Charles before we leave, as he forgot to do it before he left.
0: All right. Okay, go ahead.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll, I can let you do it. Um, I, I, I shouldn't do it.
0: <laughs> okay, so Charles wanted to give a shout-out to Dracula tokens. Uh, he's also done it on our Facebook page for anyone who's seen it there. Um, they actually ended up sending him uh, copies of the glass tokens that they made for conquest uh, for the resource and damage tokens. They sent them to Charles, so he wanted to give a shout out to Dracula tokens, and you know he's recommend them for anyone who's looking for alternate tokens and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, huge shout out to Dracula for sending those to Charles. He's obviously a big fan, and you know, he of course meant to say that himself, but he had to go because, like you said, his, his son had woken up from nap. And you know, once your kids awake, that's pretty much it for you. <laughs> as anyone who has kids okay. knows. All right, so we will see everyone in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a couple more uh, previews from uh, uh, the Howl of Blackmane pack as well. Hopefully, we'll have the tournament rules to talk about. Uh, until next time, blood for the blood god.